We are just four days away from Super Tuesday when GOP voters in 15 states will pick a nominee. The last person standing in the race against Donald Trump is Nikki Haley. She hasn't won a contest yet, but today she announced she raised $12 million in February. Joining me now is Governor Haley. Thank you so much. It's great to see you in studio. Thank I, I want to start with what's happening uh, with Donald Trump today. He's back in Florida for one of the federal cases against him. Meanwhile, another, the January 6th case, the Supreme Court announced this week that it would hear arguments in April about whether or not uh, he will get his push for immunity. So this means that there's a very good chance that the trial, if it does go forward, won't happen until either right before or even during or maybe even after the election. Should the Supreme Court expedite this? Well, I think the Supreme Court should hear it because we do want to look at immunity. No president should ever be above the law. And, you know, we've never really had to clarify this before, and I think it's important for the Supreme Court to clarify it. You know, would we like to see things go faster? Of course we we would. But do you think the judges and the lawyers are going to have that happen? I don't know. I mean, it could be that it takes a while. Um, but I'm just glad that they're hearing it. I think that's important. Is it important for voters to know how this trial and others wrap up before they go to the polls? Of course. Of course. I mean, they're, you know, you want people to have as much information about the people they're deciding will be president before they go to the polls. You know, that's the part that you know, we all should hope to have. I don't know that we'll have that clarity, um, but I think that that's something that voters would want. Let's turn to abortion, because I want you to hear what the former president said last night about this issue. More and more I'm hearing about 15 weeks, and I haven't decided yet. The number 15 is mentioned. I haven't agreed to any number. I'm going to see. We want to take an issue that was very polarizing and get it settled and solved so everybody can be happy. Now, you've said repeatedly that you don't think a federal abortion ban is possible because of where the votes are. But should it be GOP policy? And what are your thoughts on what he said? I mean, look, you can put a number on it, but I think that's the problem. That's the problem because all that does is divide people. It demonizes the issue. It gets people's backs up. That's the wrong way to look at how do you save as many babies as possible and support as many moms as possible. The only thing we should be talking about is consensus, is what can 60 members of the Senate agree on. Is that 15 weeks? I don't think it's 15 weeks. I don't. If it was, you'd have it now. You don't have it now. And so that's the part is why talk about a number? Instead, get the senators in a room and say, okay, where do 60 agree? That's the way we need to do it. In order to find that consensus, the focus needs to be banning late-term abortions, encouraging adoptions, making sure doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them, having contraception be accessible, and making sure no state law says to a woman who's had an abortion that she's going to jail or getting the death penalty. Just start there. The fellas just don't know how to talk about this. They've got to humanize this issue and stop demonizing it. This isn't about a number. This is about babies and women and a personal situation that they are in. And it should be handled with that kind of respect, not just throwing out numbers and then expecting people to choose. I want to uh, switch a little bit, uh, actually a lot, to the issue of IVF. Earlier this week, uh, Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi blocked a bill that would have enshrined federal protections for IVF and doctors who perform those procedures. Do you think there should be federal protections for IVF? 
I think we want IVF to be as accessible as possible to parents who are wanting those blessings of having a baby. I don't know the details of any of the bills, so I can't weigh into that. But what I can tell you is we don't want to take that away from parents who desperately want to have a child. Michael and I got our children from fertility processes. We need to make sure that those are available, that they're protected, that it's personal, and that the whole situation is dealt with respect. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, I mean, you say that you're, you support IVF. I think at this point, most people are saying they support IVF. The question is, as policy, given the fact that it is under fire in places like uh, Alabama, should it, there be a federal protection, or do you think it should be left to the states? Well, I think there should be federal protection that we allow for IVF places to be able to function. I think that the people need to decide if they want to get into the details of it or not. That's, you know, it's the same thing of do they want to decide you know, exactly how many embryos or anything like that. I hope they don't get into that. I want to see that decision between the parents and the, and the doctors. But I think the only thing that the federal government should do is make sure that IVF places are protected and available. And not get into the and whole not question get into, whether an embryo need, is, in a, is a life. We don't need government getting involved in an issue where we don't have a problem. We don't have a problem with IVF facilities. If you have a certain case, let that case play out the way it's supposed to, but don't create issues. And that's what I feel like's happened with this IVF. I want to ask about some of your criticism of, of your opponent, Donald Trump. It really does get more pointed every day. You've called him recently unhinged, obsessed with himself, weak in the knees when it comes to Russia, and a lot more. But, you know, I've been thinking about covering you daily uh, since you ran, announced you were running for president. Uh, this is different from where it was at the beginning. And you, you sidestepped for many months, much to the chagrin of some of your former opponents, like Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson, who argued, if you're going to go after the front runner, you've got to go after him head on. Do you have any regrets about not doing what you're doing now earlier? Not at all. I defeated a dozen of the fellas because I focused on each one and, and, and every one of them getting out. The last one was always going to be Donald Trump. The goal was always to get this one-on-one -on -one with Trump. What you're hearing me say now is a contrast. That's what people want. They want to know the differences. What I am saying is that I am not anti-Trump. I am for America and the direction America can go. And what I am saying is, if you look at the Republican Party, I believe in fiscal discipline. I believe in smaller government. I believe we need to stop the wasteful spending. Donald Trump didn't shrink government, he grew government. He put us $8 trillion in debt in just four years, more than any other president. He is not talking about fiscal discipline or debt. I believe national security is about peace through strength. Donald Trump is talking about holding hands with Putin as he invades our allies. He's talking about isolationism. I don't believe in that. I believe that we should have a country where the American dream is possible and that we don't have this tent of anger and division. Joe Biden and Donald Trump have both led into that. I'm trying to take us in a new direction. You say that you're not anti-Trump. Um, the 40 percent of the vote that you got in your home state of South Carolina, 40 percent of those voters, according to our exit polls, said that they were voting against Trump and not necessarily for you. 60 percent said that they were voting for you, almost 60 percent. But what does that say to you, that 40% of your voters were going to the polls to vote for you to vote against Trump? I mean, I think primaries are about options. And, you know, we had a couple of thousand people we had in Virginia yesterday. 
and you have people saying, thank you for giving me someone to vote for. They want someone who's going to give a hopeful America. They want someone who's going to get results. They don't want someone with the drama and the vendettas and the negativity. They want someone that's just going to get America normal again. They're worried about their kids. What are you most worried about with a potential second Trump term? What worries policy-wise? That we can't be a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. What's the policy worry you're about, most worried the about? The policy is he doesn't focus on fiscal discipline. We're going down a fiscal cliff. We're now paying more money in interest than we are a defense budget. Russia, China, and Iran pay attention to that. He, as much as he rails against government, he didn't shrink it. He didn't clean it up. He didn't do anything. And then you go and you look at what's happening. We've got wars around the world. Literally, the world's on fire. And you're talking about stepping away from our allies and, and siding with a tyrant? You're talking about becoming more isolationist. You're talking about the fact that you're going to make Americans think that they have to choose between Ukraine and Israel over the southern border when the reality is we need to do all of those things and we can. It's the whole idea that you're getting away from what it takes to move America in a direction forward and you're taking them backwards. And that's not what the American people want. I, uh, you can go to any of our rallies. The majority of these people are not anti-Trump. They're worried about what country they're giving to their kids. Mm -hmm. They're worried about how their kids are going to feel. They see the anxiety, stress, and depression their kids have because the kids don't feel anything hopeful because of what they hear and see. And that's what we're trying to give them something different for. Governor Haley, thank you. Where are you going to be Tuesday night? On, Tuesday uh, night, I'll be back in South Carolina. Oh, that's not voting on, on Tuesday night. We'll be everywhere else in between. Okay. We, um, a couple of days ago, we were in Minnesota in the morning and Colorado in the afternoon and Utah at night. We were in Virginia yesterday. We're in North Carolina tomorrow. It's anywhere and everywhere. Okay. Until Don't read into you being in South Carolina. No, that's my home. That's okay. where I want to be. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thanks so much.